Hello and welcome to the Love Boat. Once again, this is a Vikings podcast. I'm Matt Johnson with me, Preet, Tyler, Carter, everyone's back. We're here and we're coming off uh, the Vikings win against the Dolphins. They won 24-16. I'm hesitant to say this, but it was borderline another ugly win, at least for most of the game. And one of us was at the game. Tyler's from Florida. Tyler, do you want to just give us, or he lives in Florida, you're from Minnesota, right? Yeah, I okay. live in Florida you, from Minnesota. Let's hear a little breakdown of like what it was like in the game, how much the temperature may have affected it, because, I mean, that's a pretty sweet experience to be there. So, Well, so I went before the game, I went tailgating with a group of Vikings fans that live in the state. There are a lot of Vikings fans that live in Florida. Snowbirds. It's a lot of snowbirds. I mean, they were they were based out of South Florida, so there was about you know, 50 of us who went tailgating before the game. As far as the game itself, it was hot. I mean, I honestly, it didn't feel that bad considering I live here, so I'm used to it. But a lot of people who came in from out of town were like, holy crap. So do you think like it was a legitimate problem that the Vikings were on the sunny side? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it certainly played into just... I think the offenses struggled a little bit more because of the, you would think that would impact more the defensive side, but I felt like the offenses struggled partially because of the weather. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Because they were talking about that, like on the radio and in the broadcast, but I I don't know if it was overblown because it literally was like a 25 degree difference, right? They did overblow it a bit where they took, the most extreme hot point on the field versus the most extreme cold point. So it was taken a bit out of context. It's still like 90 degrees out. I mean, it was still hot, but they definitely overblew it a bit. Lots of fun fan interactions from some drunken fans and some cool dolphins fans. Just, there was a lot to talk about. I can get more into later, um, but it was yeah, a good time. About it. Yeah. Awesome. Preet. I mean, I was just going to say, I feel like I feel like they underplayed, if anything, like listening to Power Trip Morning Show today, Ben Lieber said he saw like a player dry heave that he just like was almost like just almost throwing up just with the heat and everything. And I remember I, heard I think Tyree that's just Hill, because they were in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I, Tyreek Hill throwing also Tyreek Hill also had to leave the joke. game with cramps. But, you know, it's uh, I just feel like it was a. I feel like they had the Dolphins had a lot more hard time with it than we did, which makes no sense considering they play there often. And you know, well, did you that, see the but... Vikings' little cooling tents that saved yeah. the game, man? Oh, 100%. 100%. All right, let's get into the actual game. We're going to start negative, but move positive, kind of like the game. The offense straight up started with four straight three and outs. Now, I will admit the Dolphins' defense is pretty good, one of the better ones in the league, but. Preet, I feel like it's a pretty legitimate concern that like they get these scripted plays coming to start at the game and we've been pretty good with it. Like most of the time KOC is has the chance to score in an opening drive. But is it like just concerning that they're not making anything happen on these scripted plays in the beginning of the game? No, not really. I mean, I would just want to address the Dolphins defense passing wise wasn't very good coming to this. They were the 32nd ranked team in passing defense by DVOA. But I felt like it was more just bad execution. And I'm a little bit happy that KOC script didn't work early because this gave us a chance to 
we all know KOC is a wonderful tactician pregame and he has all these scripts that work out well. But when they take away what you do well, how do you adjust? Those four, first four three and outs were brutal. But what do you start to do? Xavier Howard, I mean, I want to look at two plays in specific and talking about Justin Jefferson, who it felt like he had a quiet day, but he still finished with 107 yards. Right. The first play I want to talk about is the little, uh, almost like an out route he ran. He, Xavier uh, Howard was biting on everything inside. We talk about how good Justin Jefferson is against man coverage. So it was very clear the Dolphins' main goal was to take away Jefferson's inside. So the first play, Jefferson, on that play, he almost like fakes inside. KJ Osborne runs a vertical route to clear out space. Xavier Howard runs into his own man. Jefferson has a plenty of space. He cuts outside, gets 33 yards. The second one I want to talk about is uh, the almost like a wheel route Jefferson ran. Thielen does a um, – I mean, I, I'm going to talk about Thielen later, but he does an incredible job selling the uh, – selling almost a pick. He doesn't run into – Xavier uh, uh, Howard, he stops right parallel to him. Howard has to take an extra second because Jefferson cut in. He's preparing for Jefferson to cut in, and then Jefferson goes out and is able to make a great catch. So I like how Kevin O'Connell was able to adjust, and they were very intent on taking Justin Jefferson out of the game, and he was still able to find ways to get Jefferson involved, which I think just shows Kevin O'Connell's evolution as a play caller from weeks two and three when we weren't able to get Jefferson involved at all, and Darius Slay and Jeff Lakuda were able to pick those in-breaking routes easily. Well, I've noticed it's like different game to game. Like, obviously, we came out with the Packers, tons and tons of motion, and they kind of pocketed that, brought it back. But it's like they're really changing the game plan on matchups, which seems obvious. But it's nice to see our coach actually do it. Yeah, I mean, that's what Kevin O'Connell said. Is he said it's not going to be the Sean McVay offense. He said week one he wants them to be, he wants there to be differences, clear and distinct between his offense and Sean McVay's offense. I think we're starting to see that based on what team he faces and what personnel they show, he doesn't always motion and he doesn't always incorporate those little wrinkles that McVay has. Sometimes he can go very traditional and conservative and sometimes he can, he can just punch you right in the mouth with his play calling. So I like the variance of the two. Carter, the Vikings were two of 12 on third down conversions. I know you missed the beginning of the game. We were talking about it in the group chat, but that stat alone is really concerning for me. And then, like like I said, they started the game with four straight three and outs. I mean, what do you make of that, especially since this Vikings team is head coached by an offensive-oriented coach? One, to get it out of the way first, having a new head coach, new first-year head coach, there's going to be struggles and stuff. No, I mostly agree with Preet that I really do like that he changed his play calling. If you do that against a better team, which are coming up soon on the Vikings schedule – you could be down 28 nothing, or even worse. It could be bad. And we though, saw in the Eagles game, they went down 24 nothing early. Yeah, it's bad. You got to make the bigger decisions uh, earlier on. And, you know, nonetheless, if it was the play calling, the execution, the output is all that matters. And you went 2-12 on third downs. And four straight – that's four straight is just so bad. I mean, something's got to change if you're going to do that. And it seems like things have changed. Excuse me. Things did change later on in the game. However, you need to be doing that stuff earlier. Also, the Dolphins offense was just rolling with Skylar Thompson, to be honest. Like if they didn't have those brutal um, penalties, they probably would have scored two touchdowns early on before he got hurt. I mean, Preet, what's your assessment of that? I was going to say I apologize to Tyler. Seeing Teddy was one more <laughs> yes. fun and two, he definitely did not give them a better chance to win that game. Cause I remember there's like a third and nine play where Skylar Thompson breaks out of the pocket and runs for very first down. And I'm just starting to think to myself, this is it. We're going to get gained by, we're going to get out, outclassed by Skylar Thompson and be the joke of the NFL. But 
you know, he gets hurt. Teddy comes in, we start playing better. So give Tyler his credit there. He was right about that. Yeah, and that a little was... nugget about Skylar Thompson too <laughs> is when he initially got hurt, no one noticed. Literally no one noticed when he got hurt. <laughs> I think is uh, Nick Needham, like, you know, he was carted off on the stretcher. Everyone was like, oh my God, you know. But as far as Skylar Thompson goes, we didn't know until they showed it up on the Jumbotron that he was questionable to return. Also, like thumb injury, like he was bleeding from his fingers. Like blood's probably blood's not really a big deal, but like bleeding from your fingers is kind of weird. Really? It felt like they were just gonna find any reason to bring. Yeah, Teddy on the on game. the broadcast, they showed blood on his finger tape, and I'm like, how does that even happen? And maybe it was like, I don't know. Yeah, like, from our perspective, before the game started, or what happened there? Like their drive ended, and then it was like, oh, the defense is coming out onto the field. And the next drive, it's, hey, Teddy's out there. What happened? That well, was just... I was excited to see Teddy after that start with Skylar Thompson. He's kind of oh, yeah, shredding me us. Me too. Um, let's move on to the next topic. I just want to ask, we'll go back to Preet. I watched this game, and it felt like just kind of a fever dream. Like, I don't really recall anything like stood out to me other than the big quiet Jefferson game and then the final play of the game which is something that's kind of trending on the Vikings defense but what did you really notice was it like how much the defense finally got pressure on the quarterback the grit that we came back with once again at the end of the game to at the end of the game to finish it or just we beat the Dolphins even though they outplayed us in almost every statistic so I, I want to know what you saw I was going to say it's the bend don't break you know they outgained us by a comical amount of yards and- yeah so many times the defense would come up big when they needed to. So, I mean, obviously you had that one driver flag set the Dolphins back like 30 yards and put them out of range. I do want to talk about the defensive line, how well they played, because Darius Smith racked up about nine or 10 pressures. Daniel also racked up about like eight or nine pressures. And they both played very well, but I'm going to be honest, you have to play well against Greg Little and Brandon Shell. Those guys are two of the, those guys are two, you know, not great, uh, not great offensive linemen so you just got to bounce back against them uh secondary in my opinion was very impressive patrick peterson had a great day coming back uh chan and sullivan a little bit rough but he did make big plays when you need him to make big plays so you know good on him and you know that harrison smith play to get waddell to fumble the ball and bynum recovering it are we sure it's waddell everyone in the broadcast it's waddell i swear i've seen a video (laughs) of his sisters talk about it it's waddell Okay, I was thinking about that the whole game because I'm like, everyone's saying Waddle. I refuse. It feels sounds so weird. Plus, then, what's the point of his celebration, the Waddle? Because everyone calls him Waddle. Dude, also, the defense, the defense doing the Waddle celebration was just yeah. peak. Like, I remember a few years back they when we played the, the whole Dolphins. Clip. I like that tweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember when we played the Dolphins a few years back? Micah, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick got a pick six back when he was playing for the Dolphins. He did a skull chant. I like that we got a little bit back on them in their hometown, too. I'm sure that's what they were thinking about that game. Oh, yeah, because Minka Fitzpatrick's not on the team anymore and everything. but And most of these players were, weren't on the team either, but I just thought it was funny. Tyler, do you want to tell me something that stood out to you? It's not even about the Vikings. It's about the Dolphins' defense. I mean, for a team that was like 29th in DVOA, like Preet said, um, they, they came to play. Like They're not bad. They're, they weren't bad at all. They were they were really stellar in forcing incompletions. I thought two players specifically who had really good games were Noah Igbenogany and uh, Javon Holland. Those are two young players in their secondary who really showed out for them. And 
you know, this was one of those Zimmerball games where it was just a defensive slugfest. And as far as my Vikings takeaway, I just, you know, I'll always hype up Kevin O'Connell. You know, one of the things I've noticed with him is he's not afraid to play old school football when he needs to. Like, we kind of saw that in the Saints game where we were just going tit for tat with field goals. And with here, sometimes you see with these younger coaches that are aggressive, offensive-minded types, they'll, they'll just try and constantly go for it on fourth down, constantly try and get the touchdown. But sometimes just the way the game's going and how everything feels, you know, that's not warranted. And I thought O'Connell did a great job of, you know, knowing when to take the smart points. And I think it helped us in this game. Carter. I didn't think it was old school football as much, to be honest. Like, well, they had to grind maybe, a little bit there. They had to grind a little bit, but like, we didn't run the ball at all, and we didn't run it with any success either. It wasn't until that big Dalvin run that we really started to run again. Yeah, but that's kind of Dalvin's game, though. That Matt, was very just mash into the defensive line until he's able to break one. Yeah, I guess. I just I felt like it was. I don't feel like it was very much old school football being played at all. But I don't know. I digress again. I would say less old school if I had to rephrase it, not necessarily, you know, old school football, but it required a certain level of toughness to go out there and just, you know, stay strong on that defensive end. And eventually we got it going. And without that defensive effort, then also special teams, special teams again, Ryan, Wright. (laughs) Yeah. He's insane. Best punter in the league. I say more the thicker honestly like i don't think i'd ever say this about a punter but if he just gets a little more polished he's going to be incredible <laughs> outside of that add one some consistency against the bears he's been incredible he's got the best arm in the league too right better than kirk carter, i'm surprised carter ooh. had nothing to say about knowing igbenogany by the way oh i was i just i was waiting for a time to to say it oh, well the, the floor is yours brother uh well I guess, you know, to get back on topic, not of uh, Noah Igbenogany, one of my NFL (laughs) sessions, but um, for me, I guess the biggest thing that I saw that really impressed me with the Vikings was, you know, call it an old school game or not, it was a very gritty game, and the Vikings really managed to make something out of nothing, and they did a lot with not a lot of momentum until the very end of the game, and it was just a grinder. I know we keep coming back to it, but this team is almost the antithesis of what the Vikings were last year, where you were losing all these close games and everyone had all these hopes. But now you're in the opposite standpoint where this team, you know, compared to finding ways to lose games is finding ways to win games. That's really that's like a really positive thing, especially in a game like this, where it's just a gross face in the mud, you know, face in the hot turf type of game. But uh, I don't know. I really just liked it, how it ended for the Vikings. And I feel like, you know, if there weren't a ton of tough teams coming up on the schedule, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, but um, I'd feel a lot more optimistic because they're finding ways to win right now. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is playing well. He, I will say, I, I don't know if I'd call him clutch. Maybe that is the right word, but he's closing out tight games. Like we saw in the Eagles game, he just couldn't do everything. He couldn't make all these crazy plays happen to really come back in a lost game. But when it's like one score, maybe two, Kirk Cousins does all the right things. One more thing about this game that really caught my eye is just the amount of turnovers. 
I'd have to say that's probably the thing that stood out to me. Now, we were playing Teddy Bridgewater without a perfectly O-line and Waddle or Waddell, whatever you want to say, you know, had some bad performance, led to a, co- a couple turnovers. But pre, do you think the number of turnovers is going to go down as we go on with the season? Because they've actually been getting a decent amount. In. I've been mostly impressed with it, but I, I think that's actually playing a big part why this defense is playing well. I mean, you're not going to get three every single game. I can just put that out there with a high degree of certainty. But, you know, it was unexpected, and the defense looked really opportunistic. Like Patrick Peterson said on the post game that on his interception, he wasn't supposed to be in that exact same spot where he was. He just read the eyes of Teddy Bridgewater, and he made the play accordingly. I think if they can continue to play with this level of opportunism, then we're at a good point. But – I, you have to remember it's against an unhealthy team that looked really bad and that had, yeah. and you know, Teddy was getting hit left and right all day. He's bound to make a few bad decisions, but if they can figure it out, there's no reason why they shouldn't have one or two takeaways a game. I just looked up the differential in the NFL. The Vikings are tied for second for turnover di- differential with plus four, a, a respectable number in first are the Philadelphia Eagles with plus 12. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's why I'm My not God. the Eagles is because that's coming down. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But Kirk Cousins definitely inflated that number. Yeah, with his performance at Philadelphia where they – right. I mean, that also deflated our number too. You could, yeah, you could that's true. So, yeah, we should even be closer to first. All right, one last topic, and then we're going to get into a fun segment where we're going to grade all aspects of the offense because it's a bye week coming up, and then next week we will do the defense. Before we move on, Carter – should the Vikings have absolutely destroyed the Dolphins? I mean, they were missing their left and right tackle, and then essentially they're starting two quarterbacks to start the game. But I don't know. I feel like it should have been an easy win, and it just wasn't for the Vikings. I mean, I would love to say that it would have been because it's really easy to look at it just as a roster. You know, starters are out. Oh, you know, right. we're going to be good. You know, you got to remember, and we'll touch, you know, get deeper on this in a minute, but – the NFL these are professional athletes like the backup is still probably a pretty good player and it's not on paper you know you got different matchups and stuff and ultimately this is still a good team that started out three and oh they were undefeated in the talk of the NFL for a little bit people were talking about them more than the Eagles after they just toasted the Ravens and two or through you know six touchdowns and yeah. I'd also like to argue that um their offense actually arguably worked better as a system in this game because the play calling was a little bit more limited than that was when Tua was in there. And, you know, uh, Jalen and um, Tyreek Hill arguably had their, you know, a top two or top three game of the season for them because all they did was just get them the ball in space, which is what the Dolphins offense should be. You know, starters are out. It's done an easy win. You still have a good NFL team in front of you. You're playing in a super hostile environment. It's hot out there. Like, you know, I think we all talked about it, but we all kind of thought it'd be a little bit of a struggle just being in Miami, but you know, the heat played a factor. It's just a whole, it's a game. It's not just a stat sheet. So. Yeah. And remember like two days before it was snowing in Minnesota. Now they're going to 120 degree sideline. So Mm -hmm. playing away in the NFL is always rough. And you can never take away wins for granted, in my opinion. I also want to say before we move on, I feel like our defense is good against teams like this. They depend a lot on the deep ball. And our defense is kind of made to eliminate ginormous plays. Now they still got some, but they did a really good job stopping them from getting some actual scores. Now penalties helped, but I'm going to start coming around. Like 
the past few weeks, this defense has actually been really good for the Vikings, and they don't look like it at times, and it can be frustrating, but it might be the strong suit of this team right now, at least the most consistent part. It's situational effectiveness. To anybody else outside, they wouldn't look that good. Right. But if you actually look at the in-game performance, mm -hmm. it's actually amazing because they're coming up clutch in the correct moments. If clutch points were a stat, the Vikings would probably be leading the league in it right now. They are. It's fourth quarter differential, and we are leading. And Kirk Cousins has all these game-winning drives. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on. I think this is going to be fun. We're going to give out our grades, high school style, elementary school style, what have you, to each department on the offense. We're going to start with play calling. Uh, Tyler, I actually want to start with you because you're pretty high on KOC here that I'm looking at the doc. And we're going to have a little discussion. What grade are you giving the play calling, a.k.a. Kevin O'Connell? A+. plus. Absolutely no question about it. I'm about to further my pro Kevin O'Connell agenda Pre here. just winced. No but question continue. about it. It's really no. Nope. I love Pre, it's Tyler's turn to speak. No, 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 yeah. I'm, I am. You all can come over next. It. So, I just think he knows how to put our players in a position to succeed, even when we're not executing. Like the when the eleven guys on the field aren't catching balls or throwing the right reads, I feel like he always knows how to sort of stable the ship. And he knows when to be aggressive and when not to be, you know, we could really easily be below 500, but I think thanks to our good coaching where we're five and one, like, I don't think it's been, and I'll get into it later. I don't think it's quarterback play. That's the reason where five and one, I think it's coaching first. And that's a, that's a very level-headed take, except for maybe the A-plus is a bit of an exaggeration, just because just because we're only six games into the first season of him coaching. But he has been excellent, I think. And also, they say that these games, uh, championships are win by, won by the defense. I think these close games are getting, be, getting won by the offense. Like, that's what we weren't seeing under Zimmer. So it is a very nice change of pace. And now we're really going to get in the weeds because it's Preet's turn. What grade did you give the play calling here, bud? I gave it a B plus. I love my, my favorite thing of O'Connell has done is he's managed to throw different plays from the same look. And he always keeps his guessing with what he's going to do next. And, you know, the motions week one and what we've seen beyond have been incredible. I do want to see more explosive plays. And I feel like he hasn't fully opened that up yet. But there are some things that I like that he that I, that he does that I just don't like, like those little dump offs to Johnny Munt once a game. I understand you got to keep him involved and you got to keep uh, teams guessing every time he's on the field, but it just doesn't work. It feels like it's a waste of down at that point. Um, he's been good. He's been very good, but I feel like an A plus from Tyler is more of just comparing him to the previous regime rather than comparing him just on a blank slate. So it's also just to start too. I mean, if you were to say that the Vikings would be five and one entering the bye week, you know, just no context, you'd be pretty impressed. I would be pretty impressed, but I feel like the play calling has been good, but I, I'm still feel like there's more we can do with it. If that makes sense. Like feeling can get involved more. KJ Osborne can get involved more right now. Majority of the targets go to Justin. That Jeff. might be, that might not be play Collins problem either. They haven't looked like, their old selves or an improved self in KJ Osborne's case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. 
I just Carter. Like I, I, I want to move on to Carter before we go to Kirk Cousins because you know we say this every week, but he's our token non-Vikings fan. Are you as positive on the Vikings' offensive play calling as uh, these two are? Probably not as positive for Tyler, and I'm just about on the same level as Preet, but I feel like I might have knocked it down for a few different reasons. I mostly think that the reason that Thielen and K.J. Osborne haven't been involved is mostly just kind of a skill issue at this point, not exactly a play-calling issue. Yeah, we I agree. know that Kirk kind of just is at this point just – obsessed with Justin Jefferson and for me really I would have probably given it an A minus until the Dolphins game came up because oh my gosh I mean the opening is just abysmal and you know I'm going to repeat myself because what I said earlier is like whether it was play calling execution Dolphins came out and just punched him in the mouth you can't start the game that way and ultimately some of the blame is going to come back on KOC for that nonetheless so B plus is a great 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 start there's some small areas that i think he can improve on and i think he's by the end of the year he's probably going to be a pretty solid a for me because he's getting better every week yeah i think b plus is very fair maybe a minus i think i would have said a minus um there are just really small things he has to sort out but the amount of variety and like he's even involved a lot of trick plays it's just it's pretty impressive and it's I think slightly better than what we expected, which Very I think smooth is good. Yeah. So everything's running smoothly. It's what we wanted to. Which is, for a young head coach, I think an even bigger compliment. Yeah, it feels like he meshes well with Kirk because what's the thing we've always said about Kirk is everything needs to be on schedule. And this offense right. is almost always on schedule. That definitely played a role in the hiring process, I think. Speaking of Kirk, great segue. What is the grade you gave him pre? B. Stats haven't been there, and he's been mostly a game manager. But the vibes, the, the chains, vibes, the vibes are the immaculate. And hey, you know what's the criticism always been about Kirk? Is he fills up the stat sheet the first three quarters, and when you need him the most, he disappears. Exact opposite this year. When you need him the most, he's always there making a drive. If he can manage to merge those two narratives together, and he can play a complete game, it'd be an add an A. But hey. Just for those last those three games where you have game winning drives, you know theoretically this could be a two and four team heading into bye, and we'd be feeling a lot worse. And Kirk Cousins a major reason why that's not a thing. So he gets a B for me. Tyler, it seems like you are a little lower. What grade would you give Kirk Cousins? Forget the vibes. In terms of <laughs> Kirk Cousins seasons, like this is a below average Kirk Cousins season, which is quite shocking. I have him at a C. There's just too many games where he's inconsistent as a passer where like he'll miss throws that he should make. And I feel like in the past, the thing with Kirk cousins was he would always make the throw, but you know, you questioned the read a bit, but he'd always complete it. At least he just looked shaky to start. And, you know, at best we've seen him is 17 straight completions in game manager mode. We pay this guy uh, a lot of money to be an above-average quarterback, and he's playing like he's Andy Dalton. I will argue his contract is very reasonable at this point. Yeah, he's not even in the top 10 anymore. But I would really like to see a game. This is the problem I have with Kirk Cousins. The best game, and this might be just like the stat obsession in me, his best games are like 
340 yards and two touchdowns. Like, where are these 400 yard, three, four touchdown games? We just don't see them with Kirk. It's crazy because we saw it like under Zimmer teams too. And, you know, oddly enough, I think those Zimmer-esque offenses with the Kubiaks and whatnot shielded his weaknesses more. So, like, he'd have a good game and a really bad game. I think you're on to something for sure. I I would disagree because I feel like in those systems, what was it? It was Keenum always has to make a play for the offense to move the ball. Kirk always has to make a play. In this Kevin O'Connell system, it's about taking pressure off of Kirk. Kirk doesn't always have to do everything. I think Kirk has more play. internal pressure because it's a pass-heavy, pass-happy offense. I, yeah, I, Kirk I, has to go tempo. Kirk has to change calls at the line. I, Kirk has a lot there's more a responsibility. Micro, he has more responsibility, but I think given that it's more of a pass-happy offense, he has more opportunities back in the limited offense. where He, he hasn't shown it yet. His stats haven't shown it. I and mean, he's been worse. I I feel like... Not significantly, but... I feel like this is just... I think this is the way you have to win with Kirk is you have to you have to just kind of manage everything based on, you know, what the defense is giving you and just take that. It is a bit of a double-edged sword where he does have more responsibility having to go tempo and change calls and learn this complicated offense, but he has much more freedom than he ever had under Kubiak or under any coordinator under Zimmer. I kind of see what Preet's saying, though even though I think I mostly agree with Matt and Tyler, because since there are a lot more throws, there's a lot more easy design throws that are just meant to get people the ball in space and, you know, kind of just ease into a little bit. And, but I do think there ultimately is more pressure, even though I understand what Preet's saying for me, I'd have to give Kirk probably a pretty high B minus. I'd like to say he he's been, you know, if you look at it, he's been better in a lot of clutch areas but what else has really changed about him? And I guess my biggest thing looking on it from a non-biased perspective is if you put a different quarterback in this game in, in the Vikings offense, they're probably going to be a better team. They might have the same record, but I don't feel like a lot of those games would have been as close necessarily. So I'm going to say a B minus so far for Kirk on the season, but I based on the way that he's been clutching up, I feel like it's probably going to be about an A minus by the end of the year. I will say just to defend mine and Tyler's side a little bit. I think we were arguing a slightly different thing than Preet. I think my point is that we're just looking at Kirk Cousins under a microscope. Like he's passing more. He has more chances to mess up. When we see that, we're going to point it out. But on Preet's side, yes, he should be happier in a pass happy offense because that's what he does well. Like, I don't know. We'll see as the season develops. And I think this bye week is going to be absolutely huge for Kirk Cousins because I think he needed a little reset, whether it's Kirk Tober or not. He was definitely feeling the pressure, I think. And it's a new offense, so I can't really blame him. Dalvin Cook is up next. Carter, I'm going to start with you. I just am think we're starting to see his age. I hope you guys can talk me out of this. Maybe it's just the new offense. But what are you seeing, Carter? What grade would you give Dalvin Cook? Still, man, it's tough because I do like Dalvin Cook, despite the fact that he's a dirty Seminole from Florida State. (laughs) But good grief. I still got to give him a B plus, which I'm looking at our doc right now is the highest rating out of anybody. That's why I'm starting with you, because we're going to get into it on this one. And he's still putting up decent games. He's still making big plays. They're just not as frequent anymore. And I feel like a lot of people are looking at it from the perspective of what used to be there. Sure, he's still not going to, you know, 
we're still going to get flashes of that cook and it's going to make people think, you know, what happened. And, you know, sure, it could be a system type thing, but I really don't think it is. I think his talent's enough to get through that, especially behind an O-line. I mean, I hate to say it. He's been banged up his whole career. He's, he's just slowing down a little bit. I think people still also think of him as a pretty young back, all things considered. I mean, he was drafted in 2017. He was the same class as Christian McCaffrey, if I'm being, if I'm correct on that. You are correct. People look at Christian McCaffrey as being an old man in the league who can hobble on one foot and have a broken shoulder at the same time. So people, it's going to start catching up to him. And we're probably, I think what we're seeing right now is the Ezekiel Elliott effect where he's still there and he's still making plays and he's still being good enough to get on the field, but it's just slowing down. He's just slowing down. Then that makes Madison, Tony Pollard, which actually Tony Pollard hasn't been great either. He's, he's still been pretty good. I'd say better than Zeke. That's for sure. Uh, Tyler, I'm very curious what you have to say here because you are a little more critical. What grade did you give Dalvin cook? I gave him a D No. (laughs) We're six weeks into the season, and he has yet to have a 100-yard rushing game. And it's not the offensive line. You can't sit there and point and be like, well, you know, offensive line like we always used to do. It's Our offensive line has improved all around. They haven't been amazing run blockers, though, to be fair. But it's still a lot better than years past, at least in my opinion. And Cook is supposed to be an elite running back even if there were deficiencies on the offensive line he's supposed to be talented enough to make that irrelevant or you know just sort of help the offensive line with his elite ability we haven't seen that like I think we're just using him more as a receiver than I think maybe that's good, we though. should oh I just he should be better at pass catching than he is He's kind of always struggled with that, though. People are pointing out that he's been tripping behind the He's always tripped behind the line. He gets going too fast. I mean, maybe it's more. It's happening more this year. And sorry, I'm kind of derailing this, but it's something I've noticed. No, it's a good segue. He's too. always tripped behind the line. It's happened every year, and it's frustrating, but it, it's worth it because he gets that head of steam. That's how he gets those big plays. They say he's patient, but he's also got a really good burst as long as he has like room to not literally fall down. It happens all the time. I don't know if these people haven't been watching Dalvin cook. Yeah. One of the things that Dalvin was really good at coming out of college was contact balance. Like he wasn't the strongest guy, but he knew how to stay upright and just fight. He was just strong enough to get those extra yards. And he had just fantastic balance. His balance has been not good this season it feels like he's always tripping like you said yeah and he looks a little bit weaker you know or maybe it's just the four on his jersey but I, <laughs> maybe he's cursed because he should be lighter he's got like fewer numbers on his jersey yeah all right preet what's your grade on dalvin cook i have a feeling you're going to disagree with tyler for some reason just a little inkling i want to spite him and tyler and just give dalvin cook a higher grade than i originally was i'll give him a b minus <laughs> i mean Tyler has said that he hasn't had a hundred yard game so far this season. He's still on track for over a thousand. He only has nine. He is top. He's top seven in rushing yards to be fair, which is surprising. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, which is higher than his career average. So I don't see much of the complaint. I think it's more of a volume issue at this point. And my main gripe with Dalvin isn't really as a runner anymore. Cause like the dolphins game, you can point to is bad, but the dolphins are known for playing a one uh, single high safety and stacking the box. I was my main gripe comes with Dalvin as a 
pass catcher because we heard, you know, he's lined up at wide receiver a bit this offseason. We haven't seen that yet. So that's where my – I really dock him because I feel like he could be doing more in this offense. But, I mean, he's still – Maybe not the same old Dalvin, but he's still on track for over a thousand yards. I don't know how you could be upset with the performance he's given you so far. I never thought we'd have sort of this Kirk Cousins esque conversation about Dalvin Cook, where it's like, well, the stats are good, the stats are good, but you know, he's just not really passing the eye test, and I mean, that's what it feels like. It's like, well, you know, you look at his yards to per be carry, fair, you look at his rushing yards, but then you you look at the games, and it's like Dalvin Cook one yard gain. There's a tiny bit of Dalvin Cook that reminds me of Adrian Peterson where, like, he does kind of feast on some big runs he breaks once in a while. He, he hasn't gotten as many of those this uh, season so far. He's been, like, he's been super unlucky because he could uh, he could honestly have 600 yards at this point this season if it wasn't for, like, some shoelace tackles or DeMario Davis clearly tripping him on that run against the Saints where he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. I honestly think as the season goes on, we're going to see a better Dalvin Cook, but that's just me, in my opinion. I mean, will we? I mean, running backs really break down as the season. We goes have a on. bye week. There's time. He's he he's this is the least. I, I actually we don't have we're not going to grade Madison. He just hasn't really seen enough volume, but I think Madison should get more carries, and they've started incorporating him more. Um, let's talk about wide receivers quick. Honestly, unless you guys have any extreme takes on Justin Jefferson, he's an A, A plus, right? I can read your grades right now. A, A minus, A plus. There's not much to talk about. Is there anything you guys really want to bring up with JJ? It seems like he can have a hundred yard game and still be quiet, which is an insane thing for him. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that because it's kind of incredible how he, and same with Tyreek Hill, at least last week. Yeah, These guys had huge games. Yeah, no, he's just one of those guys where you can try to eliminate him from your game plan. And like those other, like the, they did in week two and week three with the Eagles and uh, the Lions. But with Kevin O'Connell growing as a play caller, Justin Jefferson's threat's only going to get bigger and bigger. So, I mean. Yeah, I overreact a lot when it comes to Vikings players. I honestly was very distraught when he had those two really bad games in a row. No, you can't keep his talent now. You can't keep his I know. talent now. I, I know that now. Hot um, take, he will be better than Randy Moss in Minnesota when everything's said and done better stat wise let's say that just in case no no i think he'll be better <laughs> no way randy's one of the greatest receivers okay call i'm not gonna argue crazy. with this right now call crazy but i kind of agree i think i think jefferson will have a more consistent career i think his game is you know moss better suited as he ages like moss was just insane athlete he's a great route runner too but jefferson is just a technician with running when routes, Moss's and I think went, that'll help him separation. have better production than Moss. Moss's speed didn't go until long after he left the Vikings. It went when he came back to the Vikings. He wasn't the same. Guy. That doesn't even count, dude. It's different. That was a different Moss. Um, and different front office that really. He was only thirty-two or thirty-three, so that's pretty old. I think. I mean, Adam Thielen's thirty-two right now, and he's better than Moss was at that stage in his career. Well, let's grade Adam Thielen then. Um, let's start with Tyler on this one. What grade did you get Thielen? I mean, it's clear to most people that he hasn't been himself, but is it due to his age or is it due to the new scheme? I don't know. But let's hear your grade, Tyler. It's a C. You know, you remember those days where it was Thielen digs 1A, 1B sort of offense where there wasn't a dominant and a recessive one. They were both just sort of the same. You know... I don't, I think we're past that. 
it's, I think, yeah. yeah. Thielen's never going to be a 1A or a 1B again in his career. It's it's not happening. I think he's a bit overpaid. He's a bit past his prime. And he's not a second wide receiver one. He's a good quality veteran wide receiver. You know? He's like, he's like jo- Jordy Nelson past his prime. He's still productive, and you still really like watching him because he – he makes things easier for Kirk, I think. They have a really good rapport. But it is not the same guy. And, and I, I think I the Vikings love... should start looking for a high-end replacement. If if Justin Jefferson is Jamar Chase, then we need that T. Higgins. You know, Adam Thielen is not as good as T. Higgins right now. You know, we, think... we need someone with that upside. And Thielen just doesn't really have it anymore, unfortunately. Preet and I love Odell Beckham Jr. and the idea of him coming to Minnesota. We don't need to talk about this, but how sweet would it be if Adam Thielen was wide receiver three in this offense? That's his perfect role, in my opinion. Right now, that would be absolute. And it doesn't have to be OBJ, but anyone that's, you know, a tick above it would be Adam 2A Thielen and 2B. It wouldn't be, he wouldn't be three, it'd be 2A, 2B. And that could, you know, yeah. help Adam Thielen age as well. Yeah, I you just him, shift him around. I give him a B minus. You know, back then, prime Thielen, you know, 2017, 2018. He seemed to be able to bring down every single contested catch. And, like, this week I saw him try to attempt a contested catch against Nelly Igmanogany, and, uh, boy, was it rough to watch. He's just not able to come down with them. He's also not creating as much separation as he did in the past. It might be an age thing to it, but, you know, something's going to have to change soon because his contract is not great. And I know he's, you know, hashtag one of us, but I don't know how long you can ride those coattails, but you know, one thing I'll praise him about is when Jefferson was taken out of the game plan in Detroit, he came to play, you know, he got 72 yards last week when they were, when Xavier Howard was doing a good job on Jefferson. So, you know, hopefully he can show more of that in games like the Patriots. Well, they were, they're going to hundred percent take Jefferson away, but we'll see. Carter, give me your grade on Adam Thielen. And then will you touch on KJ Osborne and we can move on to him wrapped up them pretty quickly I mean Adam Thielen's a B I don't know what everybody really expected from him I mean he's getting a little bit older I don't really have too much new to say about Adam Thielen right but he's there he's doing the minimum his production probably should be a little bit more but I think that's a testament just how good Justin Jefferson is but quickly I mean not much else to say it's Adam Thielen at this point it's 2022 it's he's getting up there but KJ Osborne for me I mean C plus I he just needs to be present more on long drives just get him the ball he he can make plays I think um you know he's may not have improved as much as everybody thought he did based on the offseason but there have been those you know in the Detroit game there were some flashes and he came up clutch so he's kind of doing what you need to do after as a wide receiver three but just want to see a little bit more uh pre give me your KJ Osborne grade C plus I'm I'm disappointed because I thought with the incorporation of 11 personnel, more KJ Osborne is getting a chance to really shine. Hasn't been that way. It seems like Jefferson gets every other target, and I feel like he's been a non-factor in every game but Detroit. And he's also started to drop a few passes, which is a little bit concerning to me as well. But I thought this is the year where he, you know, at this point he'd be trying to almost usurp Thielen for that wide receiver two spot, but it doesn't look like he's challenging him anytime soon. So that's that's rough, but I'll have him at C plus for now, and hopefully down the road he can make bigger impact like Phelan, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I've been very disappointed with KG Osborne and Tyler. I was looking at our notes here. It's exactly why I'm disappointed, because there were high expectations. He was really talking like he'd be 
possibly wide receiver number two. So give me your grade for KJ Osborne. Let's talk about the offensive line. It's a C and he had that post like right before the season where he sort of alluded to like the Moss Carter and Reed trio and how the Vikings, you know, could have that with Jefferson Thielen and three deep Osborne three deep just blasphemous. I mean, KJ Osborne is nowhere near what uh, Jake Reed was. And (laughs) you can't just compare yourself to probably our best wide receiver trio we've ever had on the team just because you think you're going to have a good year. Yeah, I mean, it's fanfare is all it is, but I'm it's actually kind of disappointed because really it started leaching into my brain. It's it's really disappointing, and I, I question how much upside as a player he has. I know he's a solid player. Kind of reminds me of Jarius Wright. He's not... He's he not needs to be short-handed because he's not on that level, but... He's not he's not our secured safety valve yet. Um, let's talk about O line because we're kind of running deep, running late. Let's start with start with you, Preet. Actually, um, I just want to hear your thoughts on O line. Get into a couple players if you want, but I mean, we have just these guys like Bradbury and Cleveland that are you know average, above average. But I really want to hear about like O'Neal and Darisa. Like, what are, what are you seeing there? What's I gave the O line a B plus. It's a two-part grade. The tackles, my opinion, A+. plus. I think we found our cornerstones on the franchise. Yes, I love that more than anything on this team right now. Yeah, O'Neal had a bad, a few bad weeks, but, you know, he's bounced back ever since then. I feel like it was also, like, London adjusting to that. But Darisaw has legitimately solidified himself as a potential all-pro tackle for years to come. And I think that is extremely interesting to see. It's a great development. Interior O-line, I gave a B-. minus. Bradbury and Cleveland still run hot and cold at times. Hopefully they'll play a little bit better. Ingram has not been good at all, which sucks because I thought he was going to be very good. Give him time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard that's, that's my main thing is he's a rookie and he's been better than, you know, the likes of Drew Simeon, Dakota Dozier that we've seen before. So overall, B plus, I'm very happy with what the unit's been, but hey, it can be better. Let's just run through your guys' grades quick because I don't want to dig in the O-line and then we'll fly through Irv Smith because I think basically everything we know about him is out there on the table. Uh Tyler, what's your grade for the O-line, then Carter? My grade is a B. I like Bradbury's improvement in particular, and I yep, agree that that's been is an all-pro talent. Carter? I'm a B. I, like, I wish they'd help out Kirk maybe just a little bit more, maybe help Dalvin a bit. It's there. It's improved a lot. Solid B for me. On to Irv Smith Jr. I want to just say I was very excited to see him return, and honestly – I might give him like a C plus. You guys are a little lower on him than I am. He sure he has these drops, but he's literally our tight end one. And I know Kirk Cousins really loves throwing the way of a tight end. And I know that O'Connell likes using tight ends. I mean, that's why we've seen Munt so much, but he still has the athleticism, even though he's had so many injuries and he's still young. And I just would like to see him involved a little bit more. Like he got, he caught a screen pass last week. Like, why are you doing that? That's not what he does. And I think that was because the play fell apart, but it's like, if he's used correctly, he's a red zone threat. And these, even these deep passes that he's dropped, like he shouldn't be dropping them, but that's not necessarily his bread and butter. Let's run through the grades. You guys have for him quick, starting with Preet and we'll just go down the line. 
see disappointing drops. He flashes at times, but other times he gets lost in the shuffle. He hasn't even really been, been able to beat out Johnny Munt for a majority of snaps right. and that be due to his injury in the offseason that kind of hampered his production. Hopefully he can be more reliable down the stretch. We've seen him come up with some big catches recently, but he just got to be more consistent, man. Tyler? D-minus. You know, he could have been like a the secondary X factor on this team after like Jefferson. that's pretty high expectations though. And like I, I'm not saying like the second target, but I am saying as he's the guy that the ball should be thrown to, you know, to sort of exploit the defense, you know, the the matchup, you know, the mismatch, a tight end. And he has not been that at all. So it's he's just a shell of his former self right now. And it's Tough to watch. Carter, what do you got? Me, Matt, Alabama football product Irv Smith is about to get a C minus. I had high expectations are now leading to much lower grades than we would probably normally give him, but it's just been disappointing. So, yeah, that's fair. Disappointment's definitely the right word. Let's finish out the show. I just want to update everyone on the prediction segment. We're going to stick with that. So far, our records are Carter six and zero. Oh, I'm sitting at a pretty five and one. Preet is three and three, and Tyler is two and four. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's just our predictions. You know, when we preview a game that's upcoming, whether the Vikings will win or not, and that's how well we're doing. Carter, you got to go, but let's do Super Gremlin quick. Will you t- uh, tell me about Super Gremlin of the week, and we can get out of here. So Super Gremlin of the Week is our closing segment that basically just gives us an excuse to talk about anything we want around the NFL or sports world. Super Gremlin comes from a song that Antonio Brown made very popular when he referenced himself as being a quote-unquote Super Gremlin. He stormed out of MetLife Stadium. (laughs) And to kick things off, my Super Gremlin of the Week is Steve Wilkes and Ben McAdoo. I'm sorry to keep talking about my teams on here, but oh my gosh – what in the world was that offensive game plan? You know, everybody wanted to give Christian McCaffrey the ball more, but this this is not what we meant at all. We did not mean just to abuse him into the ground. And good grief, you know, say what you want about P.J. Walker. He's a backup quarterback. He is 2-0 and in the – was 2-0, and correction, let me go back a little bit, was 2-0 and in the NFL as a starter and has actually proven that he can make some good throws. The Panthers did not complete a single pass beyond the line of scrimmage all game. It's and almost like you guys still have Teddy Bridgewater. I, might as well at this point. Take him straight to the Dolphins game. Good grief. I mean, it's just embarrassing. And then, you know, I think this might be a perfect segment into our next Super Gremlin. Nope. Preet called an audible. He screwed up everything. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say the fact that they're running Christian McCaffrey into a ground for a one in five team is hilarious. Like, <laughs> That's true. Sit him, dude. Like, trade him. They like, should trade him. If they this is like the should. end of the season, understandable. Dog, what are you doing? You, you guys, you guys are, you guys want Bryce Young or CJ Shroud, but my, uh, my super grandma of the week is going to be Yankees fans. I'm going to throw it over to baseball for a little bit. Great. Sure. We love baseball over here. I wrote in the chat. I wrote, I'm changing my gremlin. You didn't see it. I know I did see it. I responded. No, I'm talking to Carter, Matt. I'm sorry. All right, go ahead. The New York Yankees fans might be the most entitled bunch of people in the world, you know, other than Packers fans with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. But basically there was a Cleveland uh, Guardians player named, uh, I think, Josh Naylor. He hit a home run of Garrett Cole and he did this rocking motion and called Garrett (laughs) Cole a baby. 
And they the guard the Guardians were up two or two and one in the best of five series. So understandably, you know, talk that trash, go off, King. Yankees fans didn't let him forget about that because after the final out, everyone in the stadium when he was walking out did the little rocking motion. And oh my God, that was incredible to watch. Well, I will say I don't watch baseball, but I also don't care about baseball. I'm glad you brought something to the table for the people that do care. Sports ball. Freed has nothing to say to that. All right, Tyler, who's your super gremlin? My super gremlin of the week is uh, Mike Gusecki for, uh, or Mike Gusecki. <laughs> he, uh, wow, dude, you gr- nailed that delivery. Let's go. Yeah, yeah let's go. Uh, so he, watch out. he had the audacity of to do the gritty. Try and that was not the gritty. Justin that was the Jefferson. gritty, dude. Yeah, he tried to mock the Vikings with that, and I don't think it was Vikings mocking. end up winning the game. So honestly, dude, like Karma. Jalen Hurts got props when he did the gritty because he did it right. But Mike Gusecki, he butchered it. He was running. Look how they murdered my boy. He was running and doing it like you're supposed to like skip or something. He was taking these long dude, strides. It was... I hate to say it, it's just because he's just a regular white dude. Like he's got no rhythm. Even Kirk did it better. No, no, yeah, Kirk, Kirk did do it better. Did it better. So Mike Gasicki, step your game up, homeboy. Mike Gasicki, yeah. dubbed by Tyler Ireland. Um, I'll give you mine quick, and we'll close out. I'm submitting Mister Unlimited. <laughs> Preet, I actually thought about this today. You with the beard, you look like a spitting image of Russ. Really? Oh, fuck Maybe man. if it was a little thinner, you got to shave. But Russell Wilson. I cannot imagine being a Denver Broncos fan and watching this team every single week in primetime just blow it up. Like, I can't even understand why they got these slots. Like, I actually thought the Broncos would be good. They literally have every single – they have a primetime game every week. What is going on? That's why I submitted Jeff Bezos as my Super Gremlin last week because what are these Thursday night games? And now he's playing Monday night? Oh, my goodness. Like, there's four of his first are better off without him. They have Geno Smith. Geno Smith is playing better than Russell. Geno Smith, two first round picks, two second round picks. Seahawks uh, made a king's ransom of this guy who requested being a like who no one liked, by the way. No one likes him. No one. (laughs) It's absurd. Like, (laughs) I don't think Christians are even claiming him anymore. I might if he gets traded. I cannot stand this guy. And I think, like, you listen to K Fan or anything else in Minnesota, you know that, like, you know, ben Lieber has been in the league. He hates his attitude. Like it's not, it's not a surprise anymore. And now it's just, he can't Sherman play either. You got to go through his manager to talk to him if you're, te- you're his teammate. But Man, I want... the Broncos really had to stop listening to future for this bum. <laughs> I don't think Broncos fans stop listening to future. Well, at this point, future's washed too. Hey, 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 don't, don't, don't speak about the goat like that. <laughs> okay. I think Matt is going to eat a uh, danger witch anytime soon. <laughs> Dude, that is so hard to watch. How about have you have you seen the diarrhea? Unlimited diarrhea. Oh my god. Have you not seen that? <laughs> I've, I've seen the actual video he's taken. Anyway, have you seen the Dark Knight edit of that too? The the Danger Witch ad where they take the Hans Zimmer Dark Knight uh soundtrack <laughs> no. and add it to the background. It's already terrifying, dude. He just has nothing in his eyes. They're empty. I'm going to stop because we need to go. I just want to say for the first time ever, a team was so correct to pick a head coach over a superstar. I mean, the track record for Pete Carroll is there, but I yes, didn't support it. It is some surprise. I did not support it at the time, but Gino. All right. We've gone on way too long. I guarantee no one's still listening. Yeah. If you are, 
God bless you. We are done. You finally completed your voyage. You've just completed your voyage on the level. Don't fight my shit. I don't want you both. <laughs> don't fight my shit. Bye. Bye. Done. Get your own shit. <laughs>